0: Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercaso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, go do us a favor. Give us a great rating on iTunes. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps new people find the show. It is a huge boon to us. In fact... I read one new five-star review verbatim on the episode and credit the person who left it. You can make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a Family D&D News Podcast. Today's five-star review comes from techno uh, Technoskald says... Skald? Sklad? Technoskald. Uh, I'm sure people will uh, tweet me and let me know if I said that right. Anyway, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. The review is entitled, The One You Need, and it simply says, If you only listen to one D&D podcast, this should be it. Great analysis, interesting quests and a well-produced show. Thank you so much for your five-star review, Technosclad. Uh, people, we're running out of reviews, so if you could pop onto iTunes and give us a five-star, that would be amazing. I also want to throw this out there, that next week's is going to be something else. Uh, that is all I will say. Uh, Patrick the Bard, you've given me a challenge, and I am up for it. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. They're just big banners. You can see them real easy to find. Click on them, throws a few pennies into our pouch, costs you nothing extra. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, OpenGamingStore.com. My product pick from OpenGamingStore.com for this episode is the D&D Spellbook Cards, Elemental Evil. These are from Fantasy Flight Games. You can buy them for 7 bucks. Get all 43 spells that are in the Elemental Evil Player's Guide in handy card form. So you don't have to be flipping back and forth between like a PDF and the Player's Handbook, and maybe the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, and probably some other third-party products, maybe something you bought on the DM's Guild. Boom, nah, you just got it right there, laid out in front of you. Spellbook cards, you'll love them. You'll love to use the Elemental Evil spells. Uh, I actually just bought this from OpenGamingStore.com. And now, here to talk with us about OpenGamingStore.com is a celebrity monster guest, it is the pile of ooze that sounds kind of like Richard Nixon.
1: Oh. I love OpenGamingStore.com And it's not just because I am in ooze and I can't go out in public. OpenGamingStore.com has tons of free PDFs. Tons of pdf bundles and lots of physical products you can also buy not just gaming stuff Cute onesies for where the kids are all... It's pretty incredible. Anyway, if you use the coupon code TOMESHOW2016 between now and February, you can get 10% off your order. Check them out, opengamingstore.com, and tell them... The Tome Show, and an ooze that sounds like Richard Nixon, you. Okay, everybody,
0: today we are talking about a lot of previews from Volo's Guide to Monsters. But first, let's meet our panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question which is what is your favorite monstrous pc race rudy basso let's start with you welcome back man
2: hey thanks it's got to be bully wugs right (laughs) uh no it's not I really like Vampire, specifically in 4th edition. You know, when I place something really out there in terms of race, I want there to be unique mechanics. And there's always, like, stat differences and maybe some other fluff. But the fact that they made Vampire its own class in 4th edition is really, really cool. I don't know that it particularly worked. I played it once on a one-shot, and I didn't feel very, uh, I guess, vampire-y. I just felt (laughs) like another spellcaster. So... Great intention, you know, maybe the execution didn't pull it off, but I still like that idea of just getting all these new mechanics for this special class.
0: Sure, yeah, vampires, a lot of story, a lot of places you can go with a character who is a vampire. I think that's a great answer. And now we have two new guests with us at the roundtable, but probably not new to our listeners from the Total Party Thrill podcast, we have Eshan and Shane. Guys, welcome to the roundtable. Before we hear what your favorite monstrous PC race is, uh, why don't you tell the people out there like a little bit about your history with tabletop role-playing games? Uh, and we can start with you, Eshan.
3: I'm an old man. I've been playing D&D since uh, second edition, so, I don't know, 21 years now. Um, mostly started off in the basement of my... <laughs> friends, my frenemies, really, you know, because right around level seven, everyone who was playing a wizard, which was everyone except for me, would just start baleful polymorphing. And, you know, that was the end of the campaign. Right, right. So that's really my my early experience.
0: Nice, nice, nice. And how about you, Shane? What What is your experience with uh, tabletop role-playing games?
4: Yeah, so I actually started towards the tail end of second edition as well. Uh, I got into it, I think, around the Baldur's Gate period with the core rules... 2.0 cd-rom so <laughs> and yet somehow wizards of the coast has just gone backwards from that glorious <laughs> cd that's what
0: i was gonna say i would kill for a cd-rom right now actually
4: <laughs> yeah yeah i wish i still had that copy because it was amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome guys it is great to have you here uh ishan what is your favorite monstrous pc race to play
3: oh man so many but if i have to pick one i'm gonna go with the knoll. Because, all right, if you grew up watching The Lion King, you know that hyenas are terrifying. (laughs) And like a six and a half foot tall, like slavering, demon-worshipping hyena person who travels in packs and rips your, your flesh and bones apart with its teeth, that's really scary. And much more awesome to somehow inhabit and say, all right, okay, I could be a crazy barbarian, but what if I were a wizard? (laughs) or uh, a a buddy of mine actually put together a a, like a short adventure path that he called Knoll patrol which is like everybody's a knoll. so like you gotta you gotta make this work because like you inherited some kind of weird quest and like for some reason you're not just gonna eat it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like that a lot that's that's an awesome idea for a uh D&D campaign, Gnoll Patrol. So I played a Gnome Patrol campaign where we were oh, all God. gnomes once, which was much lamer. So not nearly as cool. You didn't, you didn't
3: cool. just like start eating things raw?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It was a lot of talking to weasels. Um, so <laughs> 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 And Shane, how about you?
4: What is your favorite monstrous PC race? So if you had asked me 15 years ago, I probably would say Thrycreen because... You know, that breaks every game, and I was a power gamer growing up. But today it's orcs, because they're simple. Everyone understands orcs, but I really like the idea that they're basically like really strong humans, except they can strip out all the artifice of society. They can kind of just tell it like it is and, and see the world as a simpler point of view.
0: Nice, nice. That's pretty consistent with uh, the first time we played a game together at Gen Con, you had commented like, you know, for one shots in a new system, it's always great to play like a barbarian because you know exactly what your role is in the party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like this keeps within that theme of that, which is awesome. Yeah,
4: I played a Trandoshan, of course, (laughs) in a Star Wars game.
0: Right,
3: right. The orcs of the Star Wars world, if you will. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) i will say for those of you who don't know shane in real life uh that's not role playing that's just kind of who he is oh we strip out the trappings of society and etiquette
4: that's that's true also i'm not running the heater right now uh i've just got a bonfire in my living room (laughs) made from the bodies of your enemies i assume right well i'm I'm running a little
0: low (laughs) <laughs> well, guys, the reason we're talking about monsters is because uh, I have scoured the internet and collected a bunch of previews for uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters, which is coming out the first week in November at Premier Stores and then mid-November um, later on for, for other places. But essentially, it's a big book of monsters. There's three main chapters. The first chapter is all about monstrous lore for a few of the most common D&D monster types, kobolds, orcs, goblinoids, illithids, beholders, that kind of thing. And then we also have a chapter on monstrous races that will be available. And then we have a chapter that is a, a large bestiary, which is, I assume most of the book. So that's what we are talking about today is we've seen previews of all of these different parts sort of scattered, you know, little excerpts and that sort of thing. They're trying to make the books more entertaining to read. Uh, So the books have these little footnotes from uh, Volo, who is a character in the Forgotten Realms, talking sort of back and forth with Elminster. And, you know, they're, they're making typical old manny joke comments back and forth to each other about the the monsters, uh, which gives it a a, a nice layer of charm, I guess. So why don't we dive right into it? We're going to talk about Volo's Guide to Monsters. I think the first thing we should talk about is this concept of Volo and Elminster talking to each other. One of the previews is of the preface, where we sort of have a, a big, Introduction from Volo and then it's footnoted by Elminster and then throughout the previews we see these little quips and jabs What did you guys think about this technique overall? Does it make you like more excited to sit down with the book? Does it just feel like a gimmick? Uh, Shane, I'm gonna start with you
4: uh, it's really annoying to read <laughs> like it, it feels like reading books from the 90s all over again <laughs> like, like where the the tone of the author has to match the tone of the game that you're playing right and the, those jokes I feel like they're gonna wear thin so if it's just a couple and they're like kind of Easter eggs I think that's that's fine but if it's every third page there's something that I'm supposed to be reading and it's meaningful, that's going to be annoying in my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does seem like they are uh, sort of sprinkled throughout and, and not so heavy-handed based on these previews we've got, but we'll have to wait till we have the full book to actually see.
3: Uh, I
0: agree with the uh, annoying-to-read part. Uh, how about you, Ishan? What do you think?
3: Yeah, it feels very like Chicago Manual of Style. You know, <laughs> like, oh, check the citation. I understand the reason why they did it, like you know, oh, let's make these books more interesting to read, but i had don't think I've ever met anyone who didn't think reading a regular monster manual was super interesting
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and I guess bringing in this this sort of these dueling personalities lets the writer sort of just sort of be themselves and not have to <laughs> in, inhabit some other kind of character, but it is ostensibly an excuse. So that GMs can say, you know, Volo is not always trustworthy, so you know, you can't trust everything that's in there, so when I change the monster, you can't yell at me. But what GM ever goes by the monster manual, like, by the book? Right. If you do that, don't do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like it's a lot of filler and maybe it's more there. Like it's more entertaining to the guy who wrote it than it is to the person reading it. There's a little bit of that. Rudy, you know, you as sort of the resident comedy writer expert. uh, What do you think about?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you really don't think we're funny at all, do you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rudy, what do you think about these sort of little footnotes?
2: Well, I was excited about it because my introduction to Dungeons Dragons was Baldur's Gate one, the game. Mm-hmm. And in the manual of Baldur's Gate, it was just like this. There was footnotes from Volo. Elminster would cross it out and correct him. So I and when I saw that it immediately brought like a nostalgia back to me. Ooh, so I was yeah. excited about it. I can understand maybe you guys think it's kind of silly, but I was like, Oh, this is just like twenty years ago or fifteen years ago or whatever. So I'm thrilled to see that old dichotomy back and to see them going back and forth. You know, that's
0: a really good point. Nostalgia is uh, is powerful. And I hadn't even thought of this in relation to Baldur's Gate. You know, I think that's going to be huge, especially for people who love Baldur's Gate. Like John Fisher is probably going to love this because of uh, because of this. so uh, yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people react and how often it's happening is going to determine for me, I think how, Much value I'm getting out of the book because if it does feel like a lot of filler and not a lot of killer I think I am going to feel a little cheated with the value of the book But if it's sprinkled throughout and if it makes me laugh a couple times then I'm on board So why don't we dive right into then the lore sections of the uh, the book? We haven't seen too much in the way of previews of this. We've seen maybe a page out of the Giants so far and and a couple other things here and there um it looks like they're assigning specific npc character traits there's tables you can roll on and then they're sort of breaking down you know society and things like that feels very much like the old ecology of an x kind of chapters uh deep dives into the way that these creatures live and and what their lore and history and religions and things like that are, are you guys excited
3: to get more lore Ishan, why don't we start with you? I definitely am. I think whatever you may think of the particular lore that ends up being in this book, the fact that it is there is inspiration for all kinds of campaigns and characters like they re- it reminds me a lot of some of the like thick single-subject books that you would get in 3.5. Like, the uh, Mind Flayer previews that we've seen so far are very Lords of Madness, and that was an amazing book, which was, like, one entire book devoted just to aberrations and basically, like, three main chapters, you know, And, and, and an entire huge third of a book devoted solely to, like, Mind Flayers in their society. And so I like that we're getting at least some kind of that, right? 14 pages on beholders. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, which is awesome. And I think it really helps if you want to make a, a campaign where beholders are the centerpiece, or even if you just want to have a, a dungeon, you know, with beholders, mm-hmm. this is going to help you sort of flesh that out. And I love to to get more of that information to help me story-wise. Rudy, what about you? Story for monsters. Is this the kind of thing that excites you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think now that the OGL is out and there's so much material out there, and not just like Rudy's kick-ass monster guide on the DM's Guild, but also Tome of Beast from Cobalt Press. You know, Wizards has to play with the cards they have, which means Wizards-owned monsters like Beholders, like Mind Flayers. And they're exciting monsters because uh, we don't see a lot of like third-party stuff dedicated to it. 14 pages on Beholders... That is awesome. I am all about that. If there's another 14 pages on Mind flares, that's great too. I love to see them delve very deep into the stuff that only they can kind of play with.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great to have that, and it's great to have, like, the official word on Beholders and Mind Flayers, and and even, you know, the way they they see giants or the way that they see kobolds, I think, is super helpful, especially if you're running one of their other adventures, it kind of, you know, those things will go together, right? Like, the chapter on giants will probably help you if you're running Storm King's Thunder and you need to improvise a little bit. Uh, Shane, what do you think about lore chapters, deep dives into lore?
4: So, I I like it as a concept. Uh, I worry about it in a book that's supposed to be a supplement to the Monster Manual. Like Ishan mentioned, Lords of Madness, which was an awesome supplement in 3.5 that would be also amazing in 5th edition, but they're not giving us enough supplements kind of in a regular release process so that I could pick out hey, I want to do a thing about giants. Let me go get the giant supplement, right? And really dive into tribes and different types of giants and, and all of those, and you know, sub-giants and all that sort of stuff. That would be really great, and I would love reading that, especially about the, the monsters I love the most. But I don't know how deep you can go in that's really going to excite me in 12 pages on Beholders when that used to be 30 or 40 pages in a in a supplement. Dude, not cool.
3: Sub-giants, the proper term is hill giant, okay? Check your privilege. <laughs> I,
4: I was thinking of Goliaths. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, speaking of Goliaths, our second chapter here is all about monstrous races and um, one of the previews that they've put out is of the Goliath which is a race we already had in the Elemental Evil Player's Companion. Um, So speaking of limited supplements coming out uh, it's interesting, we saw the Swerfnablin or Deep Gnome showed up in that Elemental Evil Player's Companion and then showed up again in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. So, you know, we're, we're seeing some, some reprints there. But then we also see things like the Fear Bolg is coming out. The Wizards website hints at some other races that are going to be there. Obviously, we're going to cover some of these more monstrous races. Stats for things like the Orc, you know, full Orc, not just half. Kobolds, Goblins, things like that. Which, in some ways, I'm excited because uh, things like Fear Bulg's, you know, we don't even have normal monster manual stats for. Things like goblins, kobolds, I might be able to make using the monster manual. Uh, And things like Goliath make me a little bit sadder because I've already got it. And I feel like maybe the book could have given me something else. Rudy, you know, uh, you and I play a lot together and I know that you dig the monstrous races. Uh, You're playing a Goliath right now in the game that we're playing together. Uh, What do you think of some of these PC races that we've seen so far?
2: I mean, they're fine. I wish there were, I don't know. I'm not too wild about them. I know I'm playing Goliath right now. But it's always hard to introduce a monstrous race into any party because there can, with something like a goblin or kobold, those things are generally evil. So then it's like, oh, we're all party, and then there's a goblin who's evil, too. I don't know. I don't know. It's, It's not something I'm particularly thrilled about. I would rather see more classes, to be honest, or more options for classes. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe some specific monster slayery type things would be really cool. Uh, What do you guys think uh, about monstrous races? Shane, why don't we start with you?
4: So I'm super excited about them. I agree, in a lot of campaigns they don't fit in, but one of the things that we're always concerned about when we look at new material from Wizards of the Coast is power creep, right? And races so far have not really been subject to that, even though they've added some interesting abilities and, and things, right? So as homebrewers, as, as people who are paying attention to the power of the game, that gives you more options that you can use and mix and match when you're trying to figure out, well, how exactly do I create the Terran from yeah. Dark Sun Right or, or a Thrycreen, for example, from Dark Sun. <laughs> and as someone who is also playing a Goliath right now, uh, I, I can identify with you there, Rudy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do, you, how do you guys feel about the fact that the Goliath is being reprinted
3: uh, <laughs> exactly I, as written? I mean, maybe you guys will get a uh, racial feat like the Swerf Neblin did. And like mm-hmm. that's a pretty sweet feat.
1: Yeah, yeah, that
0: is a great feat. That's and, true. And I
3: mean, the, I think the Goliath is not a race that we look at and go, "Oh, that's pretty overpowered." Now, if a half elf was getting a racial feat, I think <laughs> I'd be like, "Woof, power creep." <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think, Ishan, about uh, the chapter on monstrous races in general? Are you excited about this? I mean, like Shane mentioned, we're character builders and like power gamers at heart. So, like, more racial options are always awesome. Like, I, w- I saw for Fear Bolg, and I was like i'll get to the lore but plus two wisdom all right like (laughs) finally like we didn't have one of those you know but i i honestly think anything that's got an intelligence of three or higher should like eventually be statted or there should be a method to stat it right Mm -hmm. because you're sentient and like a player could roll a three intelligence so i don't see why you wouldn't be able to play that as a pc
1: yeah
0: yeah, that, I mean, that is great. And I do love more options. I love to see more options. I heard the internet shout with joy when the Fear Bowl was revealed to have plus two wisdom, you know, that everybody was like, finally, this is here. So, you know, I, I think you're right. And I think people are going to be excited about that. And I think you're going to see players pick up this book for this reason, even though two thirds of it or probably more, are meant for you know,
3: dungeon masters, really. I, I will say one thing that worries me, though, is since we only have the Fear Bulg as plus two wisdom, you're going to see a bunch of them. So I would actually like to see other races relatively soon that give that same option, because you're just going to have a ton of power gamers being like, oh, no, I, I um, came up with a backstory for why I'm fate touched
4: That's, no, that's right. the new witness <laughs> <litmus> test, right? <laughs> are, you, are you for bulging right now? Come on, power gaming.
0: Well, and you never know there may be some races that have yet to be revealed that uh, that could also have that wisdom boost.
4: Uh, I mean, I hope the wisdom bonus goes to goblins. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. No one saw that one coming. <laughs> Just to turn
0: it on its head. <laughs> Well, the final section of this book, and rumored to be the most large, is the monster section, the Monster Manual 2, if you will. We've seen some cool previews coming out of here. New takes on creatures that are already in the Monster Manual, you know, variant giants, that sort of thing. We've got some new takes on creatures that we have yet to see official stats for in 5th edition as well. You know, people keep talking the about the um, flail snake is making an appearance. Uh, There's lots of art to go along with these creatures. I, as a dungeon master, am super excited to have more creatures to throw at my players. I'm hoping that we see a lot more high level things Uh, as we get into higher levels of the game. I find that like there's not as much in the monster manual for me to throw at people. Um, So it's great to have those options in another book for me to be able to take to them. Already have it with Tome of Beasts, which is also pretty nice. Uh, Shane, what do you think about the monsters we've been seeing so far?
4: So I really like that we're exploring further in similar families. Right. So there's three new illithids, right? The alhuns, the arcane one and then two others. So I think that's great because I love running arcs of campaigns that are themed around a particular threat. Right? And I, I mean Wizards has been doing that with Rage of Demons and the Tiamat and you know, I mean you get your dragon adventure, you get your demon adventure, you get your underdark adventure and now you get your giants, right? So I think that's really cool. I think that's a great way to run your game. So I'm excited to see more slots filled in in the CR so that you can run themes like that. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that is an amazing thing, I think, that we get from them. And I love that because like you said, running a theme campaign is great, and if you want to run something with Illithids, you don't really have that many options at the moment, and now you can take that further, you can make it span a couple levels of the game, you can do that just running creatures without having to create your own if you don't have the time, or you don't want to, you know, you've got all of those options in front of you. Uh, Ishan, what do you think about these monsters that we are seeing so far coming out of
3: Volos? As a GM, I'm really excited to have more options as a player i am terrified <laughs> <laughs> cuz just looking at these stat blocks the there's the uh, stone giant dreamwalker and the Golf. and the Golf is like challenge the, is cr 6 mm-hmm. both of them have like an a saver suck aura <laughs> <laughs> so, which means it seems like they're building monsters that can more easily handle or hold their own against multiple pcs but there, there's a lot of save or suck or save or die here. The stone giant just sort of grabs you and petrifies you and then walks away with you, <laughs> you know? And that's failing one save. Like, this isn't normal petrification in 5e where you got to fail three in a row. Yeah. So I, I think it is a, a good amount of, of power creep for monsters because I think uh, the consensus has been that monsters in 5e have been a bit lackluster in terms of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think GMs who have gotten used to their players like steamrolling encounters that were supposedly balanced for their level are going to need to be careful at first, so that they don't ha- end up with a party wipe.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: especially paying attention to like you said, those save or suck effects can really right. Like if you're if you have one healer and that healer gets turned to stone, the yeah. whole encounter is about to change uh, yeah. for for everybody. So um, yeah, something something definitely to think about, Rudy. More monsters, more for me to add to my arsenal for when I GM, uh, more for you to add to your arsenal when you GM. What do you think?
2: Uh, it looks like they're returning to some of the more crazy town monsters <laughs> with things like the uh, snail flail and the Varghul, um, which is fine. Like I love those weird exotic things where it's like, You try and describe it to your players, but you really can't. So you kind of have to show them the picture because it's so weird and outrageous looking. I think those are fun and unique. It makes for a memorable encounter. It's not just another orc or whatever. And so I'm all about it. Yeah, throw spaghetti at that wall, Wizards of the Coast, (laughs) because I got a hunger in for weird spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, so I think, you know, we're, we're, we're covering a lot of ground here. We're talking about what we're excited about for the book, what we're, you know, worried about, but I think let's go around the table and real quick say like one thing that we're super hoping to see in this book that we haven't seen yet. And one thing that we are worried this book is not going to deliver on. And why don't we start with you, Rudy? What's one thing you really hope this book has that we haven't seen yet, and one thing you're worried it won't deliver on?
2: I know this is a stupid thing to hope, but in one of the articles, the one from Polygon, the reviewer mentioned that he received a digital copy, review copy. <laughs> so could this be the book that goes PDF? Who knows? Uh, stupid of me to even hope for, but I'm going to still hope that it goes to PDF. I don't know about things i'm just I, I don't know for <laughs> disappointment just um we'll see uh we'll see how many monstrous races there are mm-hmm. sure. and see how many are unique and not just the old standbys
0: yeah i think that's a good thing to think about and i do think that you're going to need to keep wishing for those electronic copies uh <laughs> <laughs> although maybe maybe some friendly reviewer will uh will pass their copy on to you
3: so you can have a PDF copy.
0: What about you, uh, Ishan? What do you think? Uh, what, are, what is uh, one big hope you have, and what is one thing you're worried about?
3: I'm definitely hoping for high CR creatures. Because, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, there's a dearth between 20 and 30. But, you know, if the party is six, as soon as you hit level 15, you really need those in order to even challenge them. Uh, I would also totally settle for some method of uh, upgrading uh, monsters from a low CR to a higher CR. some sort of like mechanical method. But I mean the, given the way that like CR is kind of arbitrarily <laughs> determined, it seems, I'm n- not holding out hope for that. I am worried that the lore sections are gonna to be full of like really cool lore. That sounds awesome at first, and and then you realize, oh, they made this up because it sounds awesome, but, like, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> you know? And as soon as you think about it for, like, half a second, you're like, wait, this is an entire race of apex predators? <laughs> and, like, they just take what they need? Like, that's what I got from basically the ordnating. It's like, well, why don't they strip it bare and then all die? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm hoping it's just magic. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that is fair. That is fair. It is, uh, I think it's really hard to make something that makes sense in a fantasy world and is also awesome, but it would be nice to see an attempt, right? Shane, how about you? One thing you're excited about, one thing you're nervous about.
4: So I am hoping that we get more cool monsters that have non-combat interactions. Mm. So there was, there was one example from one of the Unearthed Arcanas of a spell that conjured of rock. And I just remember it had this thing where it auctioned off its services each round to whoever gave it the most gems. And I mean, that is a combat example, but I love these weird kind of social interactions, right? Where a monster isn't just a bag of hit points to kill, but it's this weird and capricious and, you know, has its own motivations. And they don't necessarily make sense to a person, but they make sense to that monster, I love that idea, and I hope there's lots of that sort of development of the different Monstrous Races.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome.
0: I agree. Yeah, give,
4: give us more Sphinx. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to see more of that as well, certainly. Uh, what about one thing you're worried about, Shane?
4: I'm worried we're not going to get any more sub-races, mm-hmm. and that's something that I would like mm-hmm. to see as well, and even looking at the Forbolg, it doesn't look like it has sub-races. It looks like it's just one Forbolg and And so i'm I'm worried that we're just gonna get one orc and one for bolg and and that sort of thing. I think that kind of discredits those creatures a little bit. Uh, if they have the nuance to play as as PCs, then I think we could give them a little bit more credit than just being all one generic monster type
0: yeah sub races are such a nice way to take one race and make it two or three you know it gives you more options without having to up your word count as much and really does make things more interesting and more complicated right like how how do wood elves and high elves get along as opposed to just elves Uh, yeah and to
3: to rudy's point earlier you don't have to like cram an entire new species into an ecology that already exists
0: Right, right, yeah, yeah, that is a great point. Yeah, I'd love to see some sub races, so, and I'd love to see some more, in addition to the high level creatures, I'd love to see us fill out the ranks of some things that maybe we don't have as many of, you know, some more aberrations, which it certainly sounds Mm -hmm. like we are going to get, uh, and maybe some more, like, fey creatures and things like that, um, you know, where the monster manual is maybe lacking a
3: little bit. I want Yak Folk, give me Yak Folk.
0: Yak folk. Well, I mean, yak folk are in uh, are in Storm King's Thunder. You've got it there. Damn. Got it there. <laughs> Although maybe as a playable race in Volo's Guide to Monsters. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this panel discussion on the roundtable this week. Uh, but before we go,
2: Rudy Basso, where can people find you? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso. Uh, I have a podcast on this very network called D&D VNG. It's about officially licensed Dungeons & Dragons video games. I also have another podcast called Have Spellbook Will Travel. It's an audio drama based on the Dungeons & Dragons games that James and I have played. Go check it out, havespellbook.com.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's like an actual play podcast, but we cut out all of the dice rolling and wrote all of our lines. So better than listening to us. Have an actual play and is a uh, and is super super fun uh and shane where can people find you
4: well before i tell you that i, I have to say rudy i do love have spellbook will travel because it's like a D <laughs> campaign if all of the characters were as clever at the time <laughs> as they are like you know two days later when you're like oh i should have used that line <laughs> But you can find me on Twitter at Mundangerous, M-U-N Dangerous. And you can find me on the Total Party Thrill podcast at TotalPartyThrillCast.com. Yes, everybody should definitely
0: listen to that. Uh, Get some awesome ideas for gming if you're a player every week there's a segment in the character creation lab where they build awesome characters it really has something for everybody who plays tabletop role-playing games so check this podcast out and we should mention it's not just i mean most of our listeners are 5e players but it's not just a 5e podcast it's got stuff that's great for everybody if you like tabletop role-playing games and Ishan, where can people find you
3: You can find me on Twitter, at Evil Sends Carne, that's malice minus meat. And Shane and I co-host Total Party Thrill, so check that out. You can also email us, totalpartythrill at
4: gmail.com.
0: Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable
4: today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, tons of fun.
0: And before we go, it's time for our DMs Guild pick of the episode. My product pick for this week is... 20 Uncommon Magical Rings from Sammy Blanchett. This PDF costs $1.22 and gives you a whole bunch of new magic rings for you to give to your players and put into your campaign. You've got all kinds of rings. Ring of the Canary, Ring of Dash, Ring of Elfkind, Ring of Iron Stomach. Come on, guys. These are all some Ring of Monster Hunters, Ring of Undead Constitution, so many more. You are definitely going to want to check this out. There's a direct link to 20 Uncommon Magical Rings by Sammy Blanchett for $1.22 over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Alright, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James Intercaso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. I'm talking adventures. I'm talking awesome spells. I'm talking new monsters. Most recently, there is a whole rules module for a way to use all those tools that your players have proficiency in, but they're not really sure how to use. So check that out. It's all free. It's over at worldbuilderblog.me and now at worldbuilderblog.com. Yeah, that's right. I got them both. Shout out to the previous owner of worldbuilderblog.com for letting me take over that domain. That was super, super nice of you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Griner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like this show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.